Good morning. Episode 8, April 7th, 2022. Once again, driving Teton Pass. Headed over to Grand Teton Park for a day of uh, solo ski exploration. Possibly my last recreational ski outing in the in the Tetons for the year with I got work and travels and family time coming up and this is uh perhaps my last last skiing for fun uh, and I have, a, I have a clear theme today a, a topic I've wanted to explore for a long long time I always could always figured I'd write it down but as you'll see it's maybe uh, there's a case to be made for the the intimacy of speaking it out loud. Writing it down might be more clear, but speaking it out loud is a little more uh, personal. And it is a very personal topic. Uh, I, I want to talk about my financial situation, which is, a, which is an odd topic. Not something we talk about all the time. Certainly not in a completely public forum uh, but I want to just just spell out roughly like how I've gotten to where I've gotten financially and what my life looks like and has looked like financially it, and my, my desire here is based on two basic assumptions one is that uh, I'm not alone one assumption here is that I'm not alone in wondering how the heck do people spend lives playing? We look at you know social media and, and just see people playing outdoors, in the mountains, in the wilderness a lot for years at a time. How, how does that how does that work financially? And I wonder that all the time. I look around read between the lines a little bit in some cases but others we can't at all and I want to I want to demystify that and then my other basic assumption is that my story is perhaps attainable to a great deal of people I've had a great deal of privilege there's no question and I want to like specifically own that we all say you hear that a lot right I'm so privileged, and, but what does that mean in terms of dollars and cents? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and try and dive into that. And I've also worked hard, and I and I make a living, and I, I pay my bills with my labor, uh, and have for a long time. Um, and I get to all that put together. I get to spend 150 or 200 days a year outdoors, playing and playing for work. In, in the world's most inspiring landscapes and in the interest of making that outdoor space more accessible uh, more equitable this is this is a tiny little thing that, that I, I guess I hope gains some momentum uh, because it's a barrier how do people do that that that, that that question alone is a barrier, much less the actual financial barriers. Uh, 
So yeah, that's the that's the gist of it. And the, I'm gonna kind of go through in, in random order, or not no, in chronological order rather. But I don't have a script. I don't have uh, I have super rudimentary notes I've made. I probably won't even look at them because I'm driving. Uh, but yeah, let's just let's just run through it. The basic finances of Jed's life. Uh, I suspect this will take a little while. Put it on. Put it on. One and a half x on your podcast player because it, it might uh, might help you get through it. Um, so I grew up in a middle class family. My my dad is a school teacher and mom is a dental hygienist. They're both retired now, but they worked all through my upbringing. Much, you know, much of my adult life. My mom just retired a year ago. Uh, their respective families were, were lower to lower middle, you know, middle to lower middle class. Uh, they, you know, they could, they, their labor paid for our needs as a, as a family uh, and their labor my parents labor paid for their own secure uh, future which I think goes a long way I don't have to uh, here's a, here's privilege number one is that I don't have to think at all about my parents financial stability they're they've got my dad's got a pension Retirement. They've got real estate paid off. Uh, yeah, so that's huge. And then that's that's privilege number one for sure. Uh, <clears throat> and then through my entire life, they've been a safety net, not a not a stated explicit one, but I they have a they have a room in their house that I go and stay in and could stay in for longer and have stayed in for extended periods of time with injuries and, and life upheaval and, and just r- routine visits home, of course. But it, as recently as 2017, it was almost 40 years old. And, uh, you know, didn't have a place to live, divorcing, and I, and I essentially moved back home for a couple months. Uh, it was great, awesome family time, but it was also sort of a, a, a activating that safety net, and that is a huge privilege. That, that, that still goes on. I'm more and more resilient financially, but I've also got there, got that backstop. That's huge. Uh, I went off to college, got a bachelor's degree from the University of Maine, so an out-of-state, I paid out-of-state, state school tuition. Uh, a couple of small merit-based scholarships helped pay for that, and then a whole bunch of subsidized student loans uh, so low interest student loans and when I, I asked my dad once like how much they helped me with school and he said uh, 10% of my tuition he, he seems to remember they covered uh, which again great gift uh, there I paid off those student loans in 2014 so I graduated I turned 18 and 97 graduated high school with that so it's my adult life spans whatever this up's gone 25 years uh, and it took me until 2014 to pay off those student loans 
and I, school is great. I wouldn't trade for anything, but I, it hasn't been a direct career uh, benefit, that's for sure. Um, yeah, and then, but and through that time, I worked summers, I worked during school, I worked, you know, work study job, we call it at the time. I don't know if that's still the phrasing used. Uh, but I, summer jobs were paid pretty well. I worked for the government one summer of the feds and two summers at the state of New York, public land. Uh, management various ways basically uh, higher level paid internships is one way to put it um, and during school I'd work vacations at ski areas and work in, in labs and I got in uh, outdoor a little bit outdoor education during during school actually even in high school I, my, my outdoor career started in high school leading so working a summer camp and, and leading bicycle tours through that summer camp. It's my first outdoor job. Uh, so yeah, that's through college. After college, I knew by then that I wanted to work as a mountain guide, climbing and skiing. So, but wasn't that much of a climber. I wasn't a very good climber or skier. So I moved from the East Coast to California, Bishop, California, uh, to, to buckle down on my personal uh, skiing and climbing. And did so. It was awesome. Uh, working, substitute teaching. Uh, we're at a pizza place. Back to summer camp work, um, and eventually getting a you know, basic guiding job seasonally. And at the same time, very immediately after college, so graduate college in 01, 2003, I stumbled into what would turn out. A living situation that, that I would I would partake in for seven years, and those seven years, very important seven years through my twenties, I uh, ha- I lived in a house for about half the year. Every year for those seven years, responsible for no rent. Uh, that's that's major privilege number three, I'd say. Uh, those important years, those important dollars, I did not have to spend. Um, the rest of the year, I was traveling or paying rent elsewhere, moving around seasonally. Uh, I did work trade for housing for a long time in, in San Francisco. Uh, yeah, so that was a big gift in a sense. Um, that was cool. And through that time, I so those seven years, I in that span, I started really focusing on my guide certification, and I paid my way through that. Uh, I got one merit-based scholarship for one program, so that is up to like one tenth of the tuition there, and probably one fifth of the, the overall expenses. Associated with the guide certification process, was covered by a scholarship. I also got married and then divorced, which uh, that marriage—I've been, I've been my third marriage now. We might look into the marriages to some degree, but uh, the common theme of my marriages is that I've never been married to anyone who made more money than me. Uh, the middle marriage biggest discrepancy 
first marriage, my first wife had had a she she paid all her bills with her with her labor, but she had a more significant safety net than than I did, and and she had you know a, a big inheritance coming. So our our financial plan at that time between my uh, certifications and courses and such and her safety net, we did not saving the money we labored for uh, so not much retirement planning or saving through my 20s uh, yeah but career development and, uh, and, and yeah, mainly career development and just being, being a 20 something paying the bills living paycheck to paycheck there was a period of time in there I went on one expedition put one expedition on a credit card and, and racked up four grand in credit card bills and worked to pay that off uh, which is not, not the smartest move I've made but it worked out yeah. Uh, yeah so then the next but but again just covering covering the bills labor covering what I needed to cover as a as increasingly as a mountain guide with odd jobs mixed in around the time so then that brings us that marriage ended in 2011 and 2011 to 2013 2014 was a transitional period wherein I finished up the guide certification I I removed myself not necessarily entirely voluntarily uh, it, that's that's been traumatic uh, the, the the living situation was no longer tenable it was wrapped up in the in the end of that marriage the free rent half the year it's no longer a reasonable proposition at the end of that marriage so I, I that was the end of my low cost living situation it was 2010 so that period, a transitional period, finished the certification, forged out into the open housing market, uh, started traveling a lot more for work, started working for myself in a greater degree, had no long, no longer had the uh, the, the guide certification um, tuition and, and costs. So I started saving then. 2014, I got married the second time, and uh, traveling a bunch. She and I together, and and she took that that time as an opportunity to. Uh, have my my career is doing really well, and she took that time as an opportunity to go to school. So we, you know, my my labor supported her through school. She, you know, spent a great deal of her own saving on on some of the tuition, but but I covered the expenses and made our made our retirement contributions started, I think I started maxing out IRA contributions in 2011 or 12 or so, around the time I finished guide certification. Uh, yeah, and then was married and, and working hard, traveling all around the world to work uh, together and separately, and her going to school and so on and so forth until 2000 late 2017, 2000, 
actually started separating in early 17. They didn't divorce till 2018. So that time frame wherein I was covering our bills and uh, and packing away the retirement savings, catching up for uh, 20s and early 30s. Uh, in that divorce, basically, the, oh, we also bought a house together. Um, it's turned out to be a super wise move. Victor, Idaho. Bought the house in 2016. Small, smallest house we could find in Victor at the time. Um, and then what I'm getting at though is in 2018 when we divorced, the, the, the legal realities was that she got half of, of, our, of our savings. That was half of my labors for the past, for those four years. Uh, that's the way it works. That's how, uh, that's just how family law works. Uh, bit of drag, she ended up getting you know, a, a degree and a great deal of earning power out of it. And, I, I did what it took at the time, and this seemed sort of aggressive and, and risky, but I did what it, at the time what it took to buy her out of the house, so I owned that house and then lived in it uh, after our divorce, uh, which has proven, like I said, to be great, but the, the, there's a major setback. legal Between the legal fees and the... Uh, acquisition of, of half half of the retirement savings I'd squirreled away my, my, my net worth got in half in that in that divorce uh, quite a setback uh, financially but still my earning power and dove right back at it and worked hard again I've been working hard since then and the uh, terms of retirement now just I'm just going to maybe close out that because that's been maxing things out, visited a financial planner every once in a while, and they look at my situation and, and aren't like, oh, you're fat and happy, but they are also aren't like, oh, you're you're screwed, you know. The, the prospect of a normal American retirement, a frugal, a frugal American retirement is, is not impossible. All right, so got through that divorce. Uh, Working, 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 maxing out the retirement contributions, putting away savings, diversifying uh, my incomes all the time. That's always been a theme through my entire life. Uh, I've never relied entirely on my field guiding. Field guiding still is 70 to 80% of, of my income. But I've had substitute teaching and odd jobbing freelance writing and, and uh, well, most recently uh, rental income we'll get to that shortly in the story of my, my third marriage um, but all those themes are, are common I, I, don't, I don't like the feeling of relying entirely on my body's labor in the outdoors but fact matters the bulk of the cash flow is from my body's labor in the outdoors uh, where were we oh got through a divorce there I am I own a house 
me and the bank own a house, living in that house. Uh, and then I meet my, my third wife, Rosie, the current wife, the best wife. Uh, but and, and I could go on and on about that, of course. But financially, we come into this relationship. She's a little bit younger than me, but not much. We come into this relationship almost exactly equal financially in terms of net worth. I think that's worth noting. Much of my net worth is tied up in that little house, and hers is in a variety of retirement accounts or various jobs and her own planning and efforts. Uh, she, at the time, changed around the time we we moved in together, she changed careers and has been working uh, selling stuff on eBay, self-employed. Um, yeah, so they're and, and contributing what adds up to each year is a little different, but it, it's roughly, you know, 20 to 30% of our cash flow comes from her eBay business. Shortly after getting married, we bought another house. We had, I had, I had put away money specifically for that. She had, she could liquefy some, liquidate some, uh, some assets to, to, to put a down payment on another house in the summer of 2020. And we kept the little one as a rental and the new one we live in. And I renovated part of that to be a rental, uh, which also, in just a year and a half, that has proven to be a wise move financially. It felt like a gamble then. It felt uh, silly to be buying a house in the early phases of the pandemic, but it worked out for us. We'll take it. Um, and the, the, our scrappy rental administration is also of great value. little tangent here uh, in buying that house uh, because of her the, the relatively recent uh, timeline of her self-employment her income did not count towards our uh, loan and the loan um, approval process uh, so that was a drag and then documenting my income with, you know, half dozen different employer, W-2 employers, self-employed, and seasonal work. It's much better to try and buy a house in the summer and get that process over with before the end of the summer because loan officers will call employers and say, is Jed employed there? And if I'm, if I'm working in the field, that is, they can answer yes. If I'm not, they say no, and the whole thing gets scuttled, and we... Nearly, we battled that and actually it, uh, got denied because of late season work slowdown and had to activate family loans. We, we, we each went to our respective families and got small family loans, one of which we paid right off immediately after closing on the house and the other one were, were paying down. We also got one family 
gift, which in, in my in my life I've got two ten thousand dollar gifts. One was associated with the purchase of this house, and the other was uh, an inheritance from uh, a distant cousin who did not have kids of his own, and it was yeah an amazing gift. Uh, where were we? purchase in our current situation. Oh, other random tidbit that I want to sneak in here is that I've, I've never had health insurance through an employer, but I've also never been uninsured. I've bought my own health insurance all the time. Uh, initially, it was a COBRA plan. Until I was 25, I was eligible to, to, to buy insurance through my dad's employer. Did that, and that was the most expensive insurance I've ever bought. In California, uh, even prior to well, prior to the Affordable Care Act, in California, my health insurance was dirt cheap. I was paying forty to fifty bucks a month for, you know, high deductible insurance. Paradoxically, it went up. My my responsibility for health insurance with the Affordable Care Act was what was that? But my health insurance costs went up with the Affordable Care Act. And they've steadily gone up since then as I get older and we add more family members. To the point where now our, our health insurance for three of us does not yet touch four digits, but it's close per month. Um, yeah. situation. With the new baby, uh, Rosie has not worked. and we, we don't want her to work. We don't need her to work. We squirreled away some cash in the last uh, you know, the nine months of gestation. We packed away cash, slowed our retirement contributions, uh, trimmed, trimmed our expenses to the point where we, we only need part of my income. I'm working less. She's not working at all. With the, with the baby that'll have to change uh, but it's it's pretty darn nice for now uh, should have more more things to insert here let me pull up my notes I'm going to pull over and pull up my notes and this will probably just keep running because I'm not I don't really know uh how to edit out um, actually those are the major major things that I had from my notes about my financial situation there's there's some major gifts and privilege in there there's also piles of hard work and some setbacks end result is or the current result is a, uh, a financial situation wherein this this outdoor professional can and does support a family of three mainly on his his outdoor labors the, the real estate 
moves, I think are probably the the biggest uh, investment we've made, and, and you know, investment is yields yields returns uh, without one's labor, right? That's the only place we're really making uh, yielding returns without labor. But, I mean, the rental administration is, is quite a laborious process. Oh, I think it's worth noting that our, our rents, we, we have three living, three housing units on two properties. We live in one and two are rented out. And the two rents almost perfectly on par with our mortgage. Principal interest, taxes, and insurance. The cost of that pretty much equals the income from our rents currently. Uh, and those mortgage payments can stay the same while rents will, will go up. We charge, both rents are, are currently below market. We have long-term, excellent tenants. Make a values-based choice to leave a few dollars on the table in the interest of, of housing, uh, locally working, young people. I tangled with Mountain Town Housing for much of my life and the vulnerability of that and, and it's I'm, I'm interested in uh, making a values based choice to to help out other young folks to some degree. And it also I mean we're not hurting for the choice. We could definitely make a you know much more significant positive cash flow on these properties, on these units than we are. We take out some other stressors and we compromise the value based choice. And Rosie is very much on board with these choices as well. It's sort of easy, easy compromise to make financially. Uh, yeah, is that. Um, yeah, I guess I'm sort of going to let it trail off there. And with an invitation to, to call out, not, no, not a call invitation. No one's, no one's obligated to do anything like this. In fact, maybe it's quite weird that I have done it. Uh, but I do want to invite anyone else to, to do so. If you need a, a platform on which to, to, to do it, we could, I could even try and figure out how to do a podcast interview style. Technologically, I have no idea how that works, but I'd be willing to try if someone wanted to tell their outdoor professional financial story. Or uh, if you've got the numbers and want it written up, I'm happy to do that. I, I think it's, as the whole outdoor community tackles with justice, equity, diversity, inclusion efforts, there, there, there are many more important things, but financially uh, opening up the discussion can cer- certainly, can, won't, certainly won't hurt those Inclusive, inclusivity efforts. Transparency never hurts. So let's keep the conversation going.